Love it that you're here, by the way. Hope uh, as you've made worship a priority this morning, I'm just going to share with you that God is already at work doing some very cool things in our midst and just want to make you aware of it. The gathering conversation. It's interesting. I used to call this journey conversations or journey groups and it's it's kind of morphed over the last couple of years to where we're calling it the gathering conversation and the gathering conversation starts with a very simple but direct question that I think every person that walks the planet has to answer and the question is just simply who am I who am I and 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 the answer to that question really most of the time uh, kind of comes out of out of life experience, right? Uh, and I preached on this several weeks ago, and so I'm not preaching on it today. But answering the question "Who am I?" is is the 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 sort of uh, identity statement of your life. Who are you? Uh, out of your identity flows what I refer to as as your priorities. You know, what's important to you? As you define the who am I thing, it, it begins to come down to what's most important, what's valuable to you, because you will do in your life what's most important. You know that? If it's important to you, guess what you do? You make time for it. If it's important to you, you you will expend whatever resources you have to accomplish it. I mean, I can go ahead and tell you, I've had probably half a dozen motorcycles in my life. You know why? It was important to me until I crossed like 55 and my reflexes got slower. You know, now I don't, yeah, it's scary. Uh, Anyway, but see, so the who am I is one thing, the what's important to me is the next thing. This is the third uh, of the gathering conversation, and it's all about I give up. I give up, right? So when you hear this word, I give up, what do you think of? Surrender. See it? Surrender. This is, this is the international posture for surrender. It's also the international posture for praise God. I also call it a spirit funnel. Now, I call it a spirit funnel because if you do this and God pours out his spirit, it's like a funnel, right? I'm just, yay! Pour it all over me, God. Thank you very much, right? But the idea of I give up, what does surrender mean, first of all? And then to make it more personal or give it more direction, what does surrender mean to you? Or let's go a little bit farther. What does surrender mean and look like in your life? Okay? So when I say I give up, what do I mean by that? You know, God, God, it, it, particularly if we're directing it to God, I just give up. What am I saying? I'm saying, God, I'm done trying to do it my way. I'm done trying to live it my life. I, I'm done trying to do my will, my want, my dreams, my agenda, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Paul says to us in Galatians 2.20, he says it this way. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
The life I now live in the body, in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So let's look at that a minute. I have been. Now understand that's kind of a half, a past tense kind of thing. Uh, Paul is writing to the churches throughout Galatia. Galatia is a province in Asia Minor. And, and so he's not writing to like Patrick right there. He's writing to a bunch of believers, a bunch of Christians, and a bunch of house churches scattered throughout Galatia. And he's writing to them. He says, guys, look, here's what's going on. I, Paul, have been crucified with Christ, right? So what is crucifixion? Anybody want to answer? See, everybody's scared. See, I told y'all when I was a youth pastor and I would ask kids questions and they'd give me the wrong answer. Uh, I was really nice and compassionate and feeling toward those young people. They'd give me the wrong answer and I'd go, Argh! so everybody's scared to answer a question. But when you hear the word crucify or crucifixion, what do you think of? The worst imaginable death? Is that what you said? Okay. What else? The cross. Jesus. All right, so crucifixion is nothing more than the means of death. It, it, it was not only a, 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 an execution mode. It was actually used for torture and as an example to others who would defy the Roman Empire. And so in the first century, when you heard the word crucifixion or you heard the word crucify, it implanted an image in the minds of that population in the Roman Empire at that time. If you were a first century citizen or slave of the Roman Empire and somebody said, be careful, you could get crucified for that, it didn't mean something figurative like we say it today. It's like if I say the wrong thing, people say, oh yeah, you said the wrong thing Sunday. Boy, they crucified you for that, didn't they? Nobody drove a nail in my hands, okay? But in the first century under Roman rule, if somebody said, be careful, you could get crucified, that means they're going to murder you on a wooden cross out by the road so that your family and friends come back and forth past you. This is harsh when Paul says, I have been crucified. Now, the funny thing is, is that when Jesus was crucified, you know, and, and they took him to trial, right? And, 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 the, and the high priest and, and, and Pilate come out and they go, uh, uh, do we release Jesus to you? or uh, Barabbas to you. And they said, release Barabbas. Well, what am I to do with Jesus? And the crowd said, crucify him. What did he mean? He meant kill him. Kill him. Now, what Paul is saying right here is, is, is sort of a combination word in Greek. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have died with Christ on the cross. So it's a little different picture because obviously Paul's writing, so he's not dead. But what is he saying about this crucifixion? He says, I, the I, me, I, me, mine, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I am alive. The only life I have now is the life I live by faith in Christ Jesus. See that? Think about your life today. You ready? Why do you do what you do? Okay. 
Why do you engage in the things you engage in? Why, why do you have things in your life that are important to you? Can I just go ahead and tell you, when I was a, a, a kid, and, and you know, uh, probably from about middle school on, <clears throat> only thing I ever wanted to be was a doctor. I've told this story before. I wanted to be a doctor because my family sort of um, exalted the medical professions. Uh, that being the case, you know, my, my mom became a, became a nurse. Uh, my aunt, she, she went to college and then went to medical school. She got into the second, actually got accepted into med school, went into the second year of medical school and quit. Okay. My uncle became a, a pharmacist, nurse practitioner, nurse something, whatever you call that thing. Anyway, he basically functionally became a doctor in the prison system. And so I wanted to be a doctor. And so, man, I was working toward it. I went to the University of South Carolina, and I was going to major in pharmacy and be a pharmacist and put myself through med school. And, man, I had a plan. It was my purpose. It was my goal. It was my agenda. Right? And somewhere in the midst of, of between sophomore year and junior years, God kind of said, uh-uh. And I was like, well, but wait a minute, God. I got a plan. And God said, uh-uh. I said, but I do, God. I know exactly how it's going to work. Look, I'll be a really, really good Christian doctor, God. He said, no. You know, it's, and in my ears, this is the way it sounded. I don't actually think God verbally said this to me, but this is the way it sounded in my heart and mind and spirit. He said, it's my way or the highway. So God drew me into ministry, and I was like, okay, God, I'll do it. I'll do it, but my way. I'm still going to be a doctor. So, so I left after two years of one school and a couple of majors, and transitioned to another school majoring in psychology. And I thought, I'll go to med school as a psychologist, and I'll be a psychiatrist, and I'll still be a doctor. And God said, mm-mm. So after that third year of college, I was like, okay, God, what am I supposed to do? And, and, and God gave me the opportunity to work construction. Uh, hot, cold weather, all that kind of stuff. So I started building houses with some folks and that sort of thing. And really questioning this ministry thing because I had a plan. I got dreams, God. I, I, I've got ideas about where I want to be five years from now, ten years from now, what, what I want for my family. I didn't even have a family at that point. I'd never even met Angie yet, right? Eli wasn't even in the picture. I, I got ideas about what I want for my life, God. And, and God, you're messing that up. Can I be that honest with you all this morning? See, this message is about I give up. God, I, I, I give up my wants. I give up my dreams. I give up my agenda. Ultimately, God, I give up my will for your will. See that? So, so, so ask yourself, amen. <laughs> ask yourself this question. What is it that, 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 that God is revealing even in your heart and mind right now that he wants you to give up? That he's saying that, whatever it is, and I can't, you know, I could, we could do an interview process right now, right? I could call Tim up here. No, I'm just kidding, Tim. I call Tim up here and go, Tim, let's talk about some things God's asking you to surrender. And Tim's like, <gasps> right? We could do that, but I don't have that freedom and neither do y'all. But here's the point. 
You already are thinking of that thing that God's gone right there. Nicky knack. Oh yeah, God, yeah, God's God's poking at you. He's Nicky. Yeah. Hey, that is standing in the way of our relationship. And you're going, but God, don't make me give that up. Don't, 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 don't make me. A, I don't want a God. I want that. That that makes me feel good. That entertains me. Or it could be something even harder than that. You say, God, you know I've tried to give it up before and I can't. Right? Crucifixion is saying, I die to all that stuff in Christ, with Christ. The life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. It's not my life anymore. See, if you're a Christian this morning, you've already, whether you realize it or not, you've already surrendered that, and yet we still try to hold on to it. See, uh, surrender is a, is a positional statement. What do I mean by that? That means that we've already taken the position somewhere in the past that we have surrendered to Jesus. I'm done with it, God. It's yours. Uh, I call it a posture. Surrender is a posture, right? You know, it's where we we submit. We humble ourselves before the throne of God, and we say, "It's not mine. It's not my life. It's not what. It's not the." I. And where do we get that from, y'all? I mean, Paul obviously says it in Galatians two twenty. I have been. Positionally, I have been crucified. I have died with Christ. Okay? See, that, that's, that, that, that's that positional, I'm done with it. You want to know what it looks like in real terms? Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 22. Then he withdrew from, about, from them about a th- stone's throw. He knelt down and began to pray and said, Father, if you're willing... Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Even Jesus. Jesus knew what he was about to go through. And and, and in that statement, he's saying, God, if you're willing, can can, can we, you know, and I don't want to add to any scripture or anything. But is Jesus saying right here, God, I don't, Father, I don't want to do this. This is going to hurt. This is going to be painful. Nevertheless, not what I want, but yours, God. You know, it's it's 39 years ago when God called me to ministry. I had fought with God for about eight months. It started on the Tuesday night after, right before Thanksgiving of 1981. And man, I was a sophomore in college and I already had it figured out because I'd already done the freshman year. And, and man, I knew how to do college. I was making good grades. Man, I, I, I was in organic chemistry class and it was a nightmare and I couldn't stand it. 
And that's where God said, see, you ain't supposed to be here. But I had it figured out. And during that eight-month process, God started getting my attention and showing me that, guess what? I, I've already got this. I already know where you're going. I already know. Here you go. This is the thing. I already know what I have prepared for you, Bobby. I, you know what? Do you, I had no concept, idea, or even faint imagining that one day I would be standing right here uh, uh, sharing from the Word of God with, with three or four different worship communities under one roof and going, whoa, never had any idea. And Ric Flair was a thing back then. Okay? But never imagined that I would be using some scream like that in worship to recognize the fact that God calls us together to celebrate his goodness. That's why we're here. I don't want to beat you up with a surrender word or an I give up word. But here's what I've got to get across to all of us, including me this morning, is that there are things in our lives that stand in the way of our relationship with God. And God will poke at those things and say, offer that. Give that up. But God, I got dreams. Give it up. But God, it, it entertains me. Give it up. But God, it makes me feel good. Give it up. See that? I give up. God, whatever you want for me is what I want. That's the prayer. See that? Jesus said, look, God, Father, if you're willing, take this cup, this, this, this suffering, and yet not my will, but yours be done. Does it mean following Jesus is going to be easy? No. I like the way Nick put it. We've talked about it before. You know, following Jesus is simple, but not easy. The simplicity of it is I surrender. I give up. But there are challenges all the time. You know why? Because God's trying to make all of us into the image of his son, Jesus. He's trying to shape us all after the image of Jesus Christ. You see that? And so, yeah, God's constantly going to me, Bobby, you need to give that up. I surrender, God. I give up, God. God, take this. God, I, I, I'm just, yeah, I'm done, God. So that's the question. What are you supposed to give up? See, I had dreams, y'all. I can see it now. Dr. Bobby Owens. And then I imagine, what was that thing? Dr. Bob, Dr. Bob. So then, guess what happened later? Can I go ahead and just tell y'all that it, it comes back around? Satan goes, you know, you always wanted to be a doctor. You know, you always wanted that. So I get to seminary and I write a paper called The Psychology of Religion. And I turn it into Dr. Coyle, who was my counseling professor in, in seminary. And Dr. Coyle grades my paper. And, and it's a big old fat paper, y'all. And he grades it and, and, and he calls me into his office and, and he, he lays it out in front of me. And it's an A. Woo! But guess what? I've been making A's since elementary school. 
Because I know how to do that, right? Only thing I never made A's in was conduct, so you can go with that where you want to. But he lays it out there. He says, he says, Bobby, he said, I want you to know that's doctoral level work. And I was like, hmm. He said, have you ever thought about going into the PhD program in psychology and counseling? And I was really honest with him. I said, no. He said, well, you should. You should consider it. And I was like, Dr. Bobby. You see, see, sometimes that want, that desire, that yearn, you know, the enemy brings that back around. And I told him, I said, no, I went 12 years to school and now another 10 years to school. I'm done. I give up. I ain't doing anymore. And then went off and was a youth pastor, met Angie, right? We got married. I said, you know, down there at the seminary, they invited me to, 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 to go into the doctoral program. You want to go check it out? So we went back to New Orleans, and I interviewed with, with professors and churches and stuff, and going to beat Dr. Bobby again. It's only taken 20 years, you know, but hey, look at that. <laughs> and Angie said, I don't like New Orleans. I said, okay, never mind, right? But there you go. I mean, you think about that thing that means so much to you. The question is, is it idolatry in your life? And is God saying, give that up? See that? Why? Why does God want us to give up those things that, that, that seemingly mean so much to us? Is it because he wants us to suffer? Is it because that he wants us to miss out on the dream? Is it because he wants us to miss out on something that this world has to offer? No, it's because he's got something better. He's got something he wants to put in your life that that gets in the way of. And he's telling you, you need to give that up. It's funny. Um, we've started preaching what is essentially common messages now. So, for instance, if if like at 8.10 this morning, Nick, he preached the 8.10 worship gathering. He preached this outline. Did a better job than I do, to be honest. You know, he preached, and I sat over there and cried. And I was like, oh! Right? Because he shared how God had called him to surrender some things. So we were sitting in the office this morning as we were talking through the outline and all that sort of thing because we, we kind of talk it out through the week and, and we were talking and I went, no! Right? I'm just like, I'm not! And so I started Googling it. There's a parable. I call it an internet parable, but it's an old story. And and I can I just go ahead and tell y'all I hate it. I hate the story. But I hate the story because it is the absolute picture of what God has said to me in times past. And I want you to know it's what he says to you right now. Okay? I read it to them. I mean, I was <laughs> I was in tears, Nick was in tears, John was in tears. And I was like, no. And see, I know there are men in the room right now that are going, if that pastor starts crying, gosh, I'm going to, right? Because we don't do that. 
I don't have a daughter. My son's sitting back there, so he gets to listen to it. But is Eli back there? No. Y'all are in the dark back there. I can't even see y'all. Somebody turn out. No, I'm just kidding. The story's called The Pearl, Pearl Necklace. The cheerful girl with bouncy golden curls was almost five. Waiting with her mother at the checkout stand, she saw them. Circle of glistening white pearls in a pink foil box. Oh, please, Mommy, can I have them? Please, Mommy, please. Quickly, the mother checked the back of the little foil box, and she looked back at the pleading blue eyes of her little girl's upturned face, A $1.95. You can tell this is an old story. A $1.95, that's almost $2 if you really want them. I'll think of some extra chores for you, and in no time you can save enough money to buy them for yourself. Your birthday's only a week away, and you might get another crisp dollar bill from Grandma. So as soon as Jenny got home, she emptied out her penny bank. She counted out 17 pennies. After dinner, she did more than her share of chores, and she went to the neighbor and asked Mrs. McJames if she could pick dandelions for 10 cents. On her birthday, Grandma gave her another new dollar, and at last she had enough money to buy the necklace. And Jenny loved her pearls. They made her feel all dressed up. Made her feel all grown up. And she wore them everywhere, Sunday school and kindergarten. She even wore them to bed. The only time she took them off was when she went swimming or had a bubble bath. Mother said, if they got wet, they might turn your neck green. Jenny had a very loving daddy. And every night when she was ready for bed, he would stop whatever he was doing, come upstairs to read her a story. And one night when he finished the story, he asked Jenny, he said, do you love me? Oh, yes, daddy, you know that I love you. Then give me your pearls. Oh, daddy, not my pearls. But you can have princes. You know, the white horse from my collection? The one with the pink tail? Remember, Daddy? The one you gave me? She's my favorite. That's okay, honey. Daddy loves you. Good night. And he brushed her cheek with a kiss. About a week later, after the story time, Jenny's daddy asked again, do you love me? Daddy, you know I love you. Then give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my pearls. You can have my baby doll, the brand new one that I just got for my birthday. She, she's so beautiful. And, and you can even have the yellow blanket that matches her sleeper. Well, that's okay. Sleep well. God bless you, little one. Daddy loves you. And as always, he brushed her cheek with a gentle kiss. A few nights later, when her daddy came in, Jenny was sitting on her bed with her legs crossed. And as he came close, he noticed her chin was trembling and one little tear rolling down her face. And Daddy says, what is it, Jenny? What's the matter? Jenny didn't say anything. She lifted up her little hand to her daddy. And when she opened it, there was her little pearl necklace. And with a little quiver, she finally said, Here, Daddy, it's for you. With tears gathering in his own eyes, Jenny's kind Daddy reached out with one hand 
to take the dime store necklace. With the other hand, he reached into the pocket of his jacket and pulled out a blue velvet case with a strand of genuine pearls and gave them to Jenny. He had had them all along. He was just waiting for her to give up the dime store stuff so he could give her the genuine treasure. So it is with our Heavenly Father. He's waiting for us to give up the cheap things in our lives so that He can give us beautiful treasure. Isn't God good? Are you holding on to things which God wants you to let go of? Are you holding on to harmful or unnecessary partners or relationships or habits or activities which you've come so attached to that it seems impossible to let go? Sometimes it's so hard to see what is in the other hand. But believe this one thing. God will never take away something without giving you something better in its place. I got dreams. I got wants. I got entertainments. I got relationships. And I'll go back to, I got an identity. Second question I always ask after I ask somebody, who are you is, is that who God says you are? See, a while ago I told you, you're already thinking about something that God's telling you to give up, to surrender to Him. Why? So He can give you so much more. See, if you don't know Jesus... You don't even know. You're living in a world that is corrupt and offers you nothing but essentially what Jesus said in John 10, 10 is death. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I am come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. God wants to hand you abundance in place of cheap dime store pearls. What are your pearls? What are you holding on to? If you don't know Jesus, we want you to know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, we want to introduce you. If you know him, but you also know you're holding on to something, God is saying, let it go. Give it up. Pray with me. God, I want to praise you and thank you again for teaching me a lesson that you've taught me before. God, you've, you've said it before. You've, you've given it to me before. And yet, God, still, it, it comes back around. The enemy is always bringing it back around. So, God, I just pray today for everybody in this room, myself, all of us, God, help us to recognize the cheap substitutes that the world's offering God, help us to give it up so that we might have what is real, what is truth, what is alive. God, as we sing this last song, God, I just pray that you'd 
just just speak to our hearts. Help us to do what you set before us. Not, not what Bobby wants, not what the gathering wants. But God, help us to bow before your throne and simply, simply surrender to you. Thank you, God, for loving us that much. God, help us to love you back. Help us to act like it. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.